Jane. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Oh, nobody's awake yet. Good morning. There they are. <laughs> Jane, come on up. <laughs> Jane is going to come to us with um, an update from the board on, uh, need a hand. Um, yeah, that's hard. And she's going to fill us in on some of the news. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for all being here. I just wanted to give you a little quick reminder that we, um, this is our last Sunday to turn in our forms for um, the pastoral prospect nomination. If you know of anybody, um, Nazarene pastor anywhere that you'd like to um, recommend or um, give information about to the district, um, we'd love to have that information. And the forms are out there in the office. You can stop by after church and grab one. And also, our, um, all the characteristics that we'd like to see in a pastor, we'd love to have your input on this little survey. And they're due in today. So um, there's forms right back there on that table and then out in the hall. Just grab one and fill it out and turn it in today, and we'll be calculating those um, this week. Thank you so much. All right. So while we're at it, before we get started in our worship, let's go over just a few announcements that I want to make sure everyone's aware of. Um, on Wednesday night, we have prayer. prayer night. Prayer night is there. And guys, we need to be praying for our church. We need to be praying for um, who God's bringing in and where he's taking us and, and what he's going to do. Not just now because we're in between pastors, but because we have an enemy that's out there, and we don't want him to take any footholds or any grounds here. So we need to constantly be praying over our church and over our people. And we do so much of that, and it's a sweet, sweet time. And there's a lot of faces I see on Sunday that I don't see on Wednesday, and I'd love to see them there. So it's a really special time, and um, you're kind of missing out. I'm going to be honest. You're missing out if you're not there. So I'd love to see you there along with the rest of our prayer warriors. Um, we've even spread out now just so you know about the prayer ministry. We have um, begun praying on Sunday mornings over every single chair. You have been prayed over this morning. We have walked the building this morning, and we have prayed over this place. So it belongs to Jesus. And this is the place that the Holy Spirit can feel welcome in. And we've already begun that starting at 7.30 this, this morning. And then we have a team that comes in at 9. Isn't that neat? Isn't that awesome? We are a house of prayer because that is what God calls his house. So the other thing that we have, who? <laughs> we got the chimes that sounded heavenly, didn't it? <laughs> um, the other announcement that I want to make sure you guys are aware of is we have movie night this Friday. We are going to be binge-watching The Chosen. Um, if you haven't seen it, it is so good. You guys need to be there. And we're going to serve dinner. So you don't even have to worry about dinner. We're going to start dinner at 6.30. You guys can eat all the way through the whole thing if you want to. I don't care. That's fine. But um, we're going to have dinner, and you can come. We do take an offering for worship arts because we like to use that offering to bring in some um, special guests that are we're trying to get in here. We've been working for about a year and our first one is coming next Sunday. Jerry Nelson will be here. It is going to be a treat. 
Um, he used to be the music director at Denver First Church of the Nazarene. If you have not heard Jerry, he's amazing. He's very good. So it's a special Sunday next week. Pastor Tim will do a little um, bit of a sermon, but um, you guys are going to want to bring people because it's going to be awesome. And we have some things that are, are going to be a surprise for you when you walk in the door next week. So you can anticipate it and look forward to it. I know I am. The other thing I wanted um, to share with you guys, we have new name tags. So um, we're, they're coming out in phases because we ran out of the plastic holders for them. But your name is on here, and um, you are now a kingdom builder. So um, we take our volunteers, which we are no, calling, no longer calling volunteers. They are kingdom builders. You guys are important to us. We need you, and we need to build God's kingdom by um, serving so uh, one of the ways you guys can do that is through our Fall Family Festival. You guys have this little sheet that's coming up. It also tells you about Jerry Nelson and another upcoming event that we have. But um, this sheet will tell you about the Fall Family Festival. You can ask Mackenzie about it as well. Guys, we don't want this to fail. We want this to be a huge community outreach. We want it to be for our kids. And we've got to be a part of it. We all need to be kingdom builders and be a part of that. So um, there are sign-up sheets outside, and we want those to fill up today. We really want you to go out there and volunteer to be a part of it. It is going to be special, and it is what we need to do to get those young kids to know who Jesus is. They are fighting a big world. Would you agree? They are fighting a big world. They need Jesus. So we need you to help us build them and to get them to know who he is. All right, don't forget your prayer card on your chairs. You can turn them into me or the offering. Any of those are fine. And then um, we will, uh, let's pray. And then we're going to give our offerings to Jesus through song and through our offering in a little while. So pray with me, guys. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for being here. We thank you, Father, that um, you woke us up with the sunshine and that you woke us up with breath in our lungs. Lord, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your grace, but you so willingly hand it over to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will be vertical today, that we won't be horizontal, that we won't be looking around, we won't be distracted. Lord, I pray we will be so focused on you that we can't get enough of you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit feels welcome in this place with your people. I pray that we welcome you in with our song, with our hearts, and with our minds. And Lord, I pray that you will protect this place from anything that the enemy has tried to do this morning through chaos or through our hearts or our minds. Lord, put a attack in him and, and pin him up so we can just enjoy you. Lord, this morning belongs to you. I pray you will be pleased because your kids love you and we came here for you. So, Lord, we love you, and, and here are our offerings. Please take them, Lord, and be pleased with them. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship.
Well, all 
someone that's new and welcome them here and tell them you're glad to see them and that they're back. hearing you guys welcome each other. It's awesome. So I wanted to share something with you guys. Right before we walked out, we got an email this morning 
from Sarah Troxel. And guess what Sarah sent us? She sent us a notification that she received, and I'm going to read it to you. It is our pleasure to inform you that Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene has been selected as the winner for the 2021 Best of Woodland Park Awards in the category of Places to Worship. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I'm sure we'll, we'll be sending it out so you guys can read the whole thing in, in the e-blast this week. But God is moving in this place. And if we keep our eyes focused on Him, He's going to do amazing things. Amazing things. So I don't have any other details than that, but it was super encouraging that God would send that to us this morning. We were excited about it. And we know that he's doing things and he's moving. But most of all, he is touching the lives of people that don't know him yet. And that's super important. That is the important thing. The Great Commission, right? So I wanted to read these lyrics to you guys. We've sung this song a ton of times. You guys know this. But this just hit me this morning when we were singing it practicing. It says, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. His song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. So no matter what's going on in our, our, our day and our world, what the week's been like, we still need to be keep, keep singing for him because he's moving and he's doing stuff. It doesn't always mean we're in a bed of roses, right? But it does mean that he's moving and we can praise him and trust him. So we're going to do that now that we're singing this song. So I'm excited about it after those lyrics just popped out at me, how beautiful it is. And Lord, please help us keep singing when the evening comes.
This week I had a big family reunion. We have it every three years up in Estes Park. And I have a huge family on my dad's side. Normally we have like 79 people there plus all of the kids and all that stuff. So it's big. And we have this, we have a first generation, which is my dad and his siblings. Then my generation is the second, third, and fourth there. And the first generation always tells the stories of their childhood growing up on a farm in Nebraska. And let me tell you, they are stories. You're all invited next time because you'll love it. But um, it was super special this time because we've lost several people in our family this year. And so we missed them, and we have a table that all their pictures are set up on. So they're there with us in, you know, in our hearts. And I was listening to my uncle, who's 84, tell some of these stories from the farm. And then he moved over into how... Jesus has impacted his life and that now he's in a phase of his life at his church and he's, he's an elder in his church, very well-respected man. And he said, Lori, our church needs to tell people about Jesus. They need to reach the lost people and we need to get the young people in. And his focus has turned to where he is worried that there's not as many young people in the church as there are people his generation. 
And he started crying, and he just had such a heart for it. And it was beautiful, because that's my heart. I see my kids sitting out here, and I want the church to be there when I'm gone for them, right? So it was a beautiful thing to listen to him. And as I was listening to him, I looked over on these tables that we have all these old pictures. And there was my dad is like a little four-year-old, and his brother was five, and his sister was three. And my grandma was leaning over the couch, and it was just a, a candid shot. She was leaning over the couch on her elbows, and the kids had their hands like this, like they were praying. And that was the pictures that she was teaching them how to pray. And it was a beautiful moment for me to look, and then to look at my uncle now, how he's teaching generation two, three, and four, that we need Jesus and that those younger generations really need him. So it was super special to see that as, um, as our week went on and how he was pouring in and he'd pull the kids aside and talk to them and see how their life was and all those things. And that's stuff we can do here too. There's a lot of people around that you guys can pour your wisdom into. And I want to encourage you to do that because as I watched it, it was like beautiful. It was so neat. And there's a lot of people that do that already. But I questioned myself. I'm like, am I pouring in? Am I pouring in to the people that are younger than me and making sure that they get my wisdom, but also that they're encouraged and that they're heard? And so I just wanted to share that with you guys because it was, it was a super special moment for me. And I just thought it was really neat to, to pass along. And next time I'll give you guys invites, you can come. So we'll continue to worship.
breath of God, breathe, oh breath of God, now breathe. So breathe, oh breath of God, now breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, oh breath of God, now breathe. going to move into our offering time now. I'm going to ask Jim and Jen to come on down. This is a super special part of our worship time. We'll pray and then kids, you can bring your joyful offering down and after that, you can go with Miss McKenzie. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting us here this morning. You are such a wonderful, wonderful Father. The fact that you would come here from heaven and we take it so for granted to come down here among us and live but be willing to teach us and to walk with us and to love us through all of our yuck stuff. Father, it's an honor to be your child. It's exciting to have salvation. So, Lord, I ask you to continue to move this morning. Would you anoint Scott as he brings us your word, your holy, precious word. And, Lord, as we give you the things that you've given to us so freely, and we give back to you. Lord, I pray we will give back to you with joyful, expectant hearts on what you're going to do. That it's something that we get to have a part of because you allow us to give to you so you can use it to further your kingdom. Lord, there is nothing better than letting you take control and watching the miracles that you perform when we have a joyful, willing heart. So, Lord, would you please bless it? Bless the givers. Bless this church, Father. And I pray we will honor you in everything we think, everything we do, all of our actions, Lord, our hearts and our minds. Lord, let them line up with your word because we need you. So, Lord, we ask you to just take over from here even more and bless this offering in this time, Jesus, in your name, amen.
Am I on yet? Hello. How are we? It is good to be with you guys today. We are in, still in our series of the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 7 will be today. Pastor Tim is, is preaching at his old stomping grounds at Denver First Church today. So you got me, uh, but I am excited for what today holds. We've been going through the Beatitudes, and today we are talking about merciful. Matthew 5, 7 says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now, all of these Beatitudes, they can, they can stand alone, right? They can all be pulled apart and applied individually and, and taken, um, taken in individually, each one of them by themselves. But truly, to get the fullest picture, we kind of need the foundation of the previous weeks, the foundation of the previous Beatitudes that have come before this one. Um, if you have, you want to grab the notes uh, for today's sermon, we'll start off with the first blank. Each beatitude is prepared, that's your word there, by the previous beatitudes. And I want to especially um, acknowledge that today is very much prepared by week one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we don't have that basis, we don't have that foundation of what that means, then today might not make a whole lot of sense. But we got to be aware of our own standing with God, aware of where we stand in relation to Him. We've got to be aware of our sin and to walk to Him as the broken people we are. If we don't have the rest of the Beatitudes setting us up today, they then today might not be able to take on its fullest meaning. So I want to acknowledge that today. And today we don't see a lot of this recognition of our own sin, recognition of being poor in spirit and being broken before an almighty God. There's a lot of outward looking and finger pointing and sharing of responsibility till no one has responsibility, right? And last week, Tim did a great job of setting us up with talking on hungering and thirsting righteousness, but with all of this, I hope we can start to see that it's a bit of a stair-step process, that all of the Beatitudes add and build and feed into the next one, and this week is no exception. Being merciful or, or receiving mercy, we very much have to understand being poor in spirit first. So, each Beatitude is prepared by the previous Beatitudes. And there's another a thing that might help clarify this word mercy. Um, two words that kind of a, a lot of times overlap and get used together. And sometimes rightfully so. They kind of butt up against each other pretty well. But that's mercy compared to grace. And I'd like to look at that now. I don't have it on the screen. I should have put it on there. But grace is getting something, getting a blessing, getting something positive that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. He blesses us because he's a good God. He doesn't bless us because of our righteousness or our goodness. He blesses us, and that is grace. But mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. We don't get it because of his mercy. 
Paul paints this picture here in Titus 3.5. I don't have it on the screen, but Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, which is grace, something good that we get, right? Salvation is, is His grace. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So both are there. Grace, positive gift, mercy, not getting what we deserve. He gives us eternal life. That's a gift that we don't deserve. That's grace, but we don't receive condemnation even though we deserve it, and that's mercy. And I think it's the, the, the important reason why bringing this up is because sometimes grace doesn't give the full picture of God's salvation. It doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. We need to be aware of our own sin. We need to be aware of his mercy in our lives. I, I'm like really visual in how I try to picture things. And so for me, we sang last week, I think, a song about the depths of his mercy. So for me, the visual is his mercy goes down deep for us because of our sin. But his grace, oh man, that's a gift. That goes high. So the, for me, it's the height of grace and the depth of his mercy helps me picture that. We've gotten away from our awareness of our own sin and an awareness of the, the fullest extent of his mercy that's lavished upon us, not getting what we do deserve. And he asks us to do the same to other people, right? And who are those? People that have hurt us, offended us, sinned against us, but our sense of justice is so strong, right? Even, even as a kid, even the little ones, they get it, like, out of the gate. We're starting to see this with Emerson already around other kids. He still has a pretty skewed view of justice, though. Just the other day, we were at the park, and he saw this other kid with a ball, clearly brought it from home, his own ball, and the first thing he said was, Emerson ball. So that's not quite... That's even a little further. Like his, his view of Justin in that moment was, any ball that's around me is my ball. Give it to me now, right? But you start to see it as they get a little bit older. They start to see, oh, there's, there's that kid. He did that one thing. And they're going to make it known, right? But when they get away with it, that's a good day. And uh, with our own sense of justice, we want to see people pay. But we love it when we can get off scot-free, Right? Now, scot-free, purely out of narcissistic reasons, I had to research this phrase this week. Um, Scot, S-K-O-T, is a Norse word for payment or, or tax. And, and so being scot-free is someone who's exempt from payment or, or, or tax. And it kind of made me think that I need to change my name to scot-free. I don't want necessarily people to think they need to pay up when they see me, although I'll only say no once if you want to pay me when you see me, only once. But the message of Jesus' mercy here is that you don't know how much you've offended an all-holy God. You don't know. You don't know the depth of that mercy. And yet I've wiped your sin clean. I didn't give you what you deserve. That's mercy. Now go and do the same. I wrestled with that going and doing the same part the last two weeks, guys. I've been put on a mission of mercy. 
And guys, giving true mercy is hard work. We're called to it. But it can be hard work. And the problem for us, though, is that we forget that depth of mercy that we have for our own sin. We forget that, and it can lead us so quickly to judging others. Some of you guys probably know where this is going biblically. We're going to look into Matthew 18, 21 through 35, the parable of the unmerciful servant. I want to read through it, and then we will break it down afterwards. So, pretty small maybe. I don't know if we can follow along. Reading out of the NIV. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, obviously, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, grabbed him, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw that what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Should you, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let's look through this. From the top, Peter goes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus. How many times am I supposed to forgive my brother or sister? Now, at the time, some of the rabbis around that, in that era had a, a rule of three. You need to forgive them three times, but after that, no, no more forgiveness. So Peter thinks he's going to be cool, right? He's going to go to Jesus and say, let's times that by two, add one, nice holy number seven. Um, should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus puts them puts. On top of that, 70 times 7 or 77 times. It just basically means boundless, endless. As often as your brother asks for forgiveness. Now, let's not forget that first beatitude. That is part of it. Being, recognizing someone who is poor in spirit and asking for forgiveness. Because we should... Forgive people in our hearts, right? Even if they don't ask for forgiveness, we should do that. But the full scope of it isn't healed. The full restoration doesn't happen until they've realized what they've done and asked for forgiveness. The parable goes on to describe why we need to forgive. 10,000 
talents in one translation, owed by the first unforgiving servant, $3.5 billion? Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. That's clearly, once again, Jesus talking in hyperbole. This is a debt this dude's not going to be able to pay ever, clearly. What does that represent? The master represents the father, and the debt is our own sin. The master responds with compassion and mercy, wipes the debt clean, but that servant goes out. hundred denarii, about five bucks. That's the, that's the debt that he chokes the other servant for. Be patient with me. The same exact words. You wicked servant from the master after he finds out about this. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? This is how your heavenly father will treat you if you do not forgive. Now, this forgiveness, we're not necessarily talking about forgiveness of eternal life. That is based upon faith, right? Our sin, our debt is our cleansed, and we need to work with God on the faith in that. So why do we have to keep asking for forgiveness? Why are we taught through the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts? So we forgive our debtors. This is something that we're challenged to pray regularly. Because there's a difference here. This is not necessarily the same thing. This is clearing a rift between two parties. This is establishing peace where there wasn't. Uh, a good analogy um, is, is the husband and wife one. I, when, whenever I say something really stupid to Rachel, um, I ask for forgiveness. It doesn't necessarily nullifies our marriage, right? We don't go back. To square one, um, I say something stupid. I ask for forgiveness. She forgives me. Thank you, Rachel. And, but that clears the rift. That brings together the breach that was there. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as I forgive our debtors regularly. But there is something else that is said as, as kind of warning at the end there. In Ephesians 4.32 flips it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's one thing to say you should forgive that person. It's another thing to say forgive them in the same way that you've been forgiven. The second blank in our, our notes is the standard has been set for how we are to show mercy. And this is hard to do, right? When people have hurt us, when people have wronged us, when, when maybe they made life miserable for us. This is something that, um, that there's a really great example of this going on with, with David. Um, did you know that he, scholars believe that he ran from King Saul for maybe 13 to 15 years? I go camping a couple nights. I'm like, I'm ready for my bed. But this dude's running for that long in caves, you know, with his head on a swivel, looking behind his back. And David could have killed King Saul on two different occasions, right? I want to look at one of them. We're going to look into 1 Samuel 26. Um, in, this, in this time, David is actually, so he's on the run from King Saul, right? He's... He's being threatened by him, and 
God has basically delivered him into his hands. Here he is. He's just checked out. He's, he's right there. And so David creeps down into Saul's encampment. I don't have it on, on the screen, but 1 Samuel 26, 8 says, Abishai said to David, Today God has given your enemy to you. Let me pin Saul to the ground with a spear. I'll only do it once. I got this. It's right here. This is where you've walked through. You've walked through all of this toil and fear. But here it is. David's thinking could have been, I've been nothing but true. I've been nothing but righteous. He deserves it. And besides, God's delivered him into my hands. It's right here. But instead, David took his spear and the water jug by Saul's head and gives him mercy. He takes the spear and the jug and he walks up back into the mountain. And then we have the verse here. Actually, he shows what he had done. And then we'll pick up with Saul's response to this. 1 Samuel 26, 21 through 25. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son. Because you considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here's the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for the righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed. There's that word. David, my son, you will do great things and surely triumph. In this story, we clearly see David's mercy on Saul. But we also see another mercy throughout the story of David. We see God's mercy all over David. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Because guys, David was a man after God's own heart, but he had some major screw-ups. He was not a shining example of moral uprightness, but we know the story of Bathsheba. We know him seeing her on the roof, roof bathing and, and, and taking her as his own and, and sending Uriah, her her husband, to the battlefield to die. And yet, God's blessing and favor is all over David. Instead of judgment, we see God's mercy. Why? Because David showed mercy. Those that give mercy reap mercy. That is the promise of this passage. Two things that need to be taken into account with mercy, though, people can abuse the request for mercy, right? There are those that like to emotionally manipulate others so that they can go back to sinning. They put forgiveness as the guise of going back to sinning. We need to be discerning with that. And also, there is the open wound fear. You might have the, the thought, well, if I forgive that person, I let them right back into my life, and then the hurting starts all over again. Forgiveness is releasing a debt that somebody owes. It doesn't necessarily mean there's trust there, which is my third point. Forgiveness doesn't mean trust. And we see this in the passage with Saul. Example from 1 Samuel 26 so Saul shows his heart at the end, right? He, in essence, apologizes. He says, 
you've done a great thing, David. You're going to be blessed. But guess what happens? He just walks off. Does David go with him? No. He stays up in the caves because he knows Saul's not to be trusted. What happened with Pharaoh? Go. Yeah, your people can go. Go get them. Can't be trusted in that moment. And then what happens? David rises to power. He's blessed. And that could have been it. He could have just said a big fat, I told you so. But no, he goes further. He goes and searches through the land for Saul's descendants. And he shows them kindness. He wants to bless them. One of those with a really long name, Mephibosheth. Everyone say it. Mephibosheth. That's just fun to say. This dude was a part of Saul's line, and he was crippled in his legs. And David said, you will be cared for for the rest of your life. I'm not going to give you or Saul what he deserves. I'm going to bless you. Because God has been merciful to us. We should go and do likewise. Um, This week, probably don't know, but there's a holy Jewish day called Yom Kippur. It just basically means Day of Atonement. We talked about it uh, in our prayer night, Wednesday night. It actually started in the middle of it because it's 7 o'clock or when sundown it hits, it begins. Uh, It's the only time of the year that the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies and and sacrifices, um, makes sacrifices on behalf of the sins of Israel. But I brought up to our group what that was like for Jesus, you know, celebrating that, knowing what he knew, walking into what he knew was coming. The Lamb of God sacrificed for us. There's two times in the New Testament that Jesus quotes something that God said in Hosea 6.6, that God wants mercy and not sacrifice. Hosea 6, 6 is, goes like this. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice in the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. In Matthew 9, 13, Jesus uses this verse when talking to the Pharisees. When they ask him, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus completely sarcastically says, but go and learn what this means. These are the dudes that... They should know all of Scripture back and forth, right? Learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call the righteous, not come to call not the righteous, but sinners. He's talking to the Pharisees here. He uses God's words. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I wonder if part of this rebuke to the Pharisees was maybe asking for mercy from God asking for the cup to pass, asking for mercy to not receive the sacrifice that he felt coming. Jesus knew that these same Pharisees would be coming for him, that these Pharisees would be the force behind his execution. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He was the only one that didn't deserve punishment. He was the only one But God wanted to give us mercy because of our own sin's debt. That's the unforgiving servant's debt, right? It's way too big for us to be able to carry. 
And God did this all because Jesus prayed a prayer, not my will, but yours be done. And because of this event in history, mercy came to us, not because of our righteousness, not because we are good, but because of his goodness and Christ's atonement on the cross and our faith in it. We have received his mercy and we should go and do likewise. British missionary Florence Alshorn said, an ideal is not yours until it comes out of your fingertips. I'd like to lift up a prayer by St. Francis of Assisi that the, uh, the worship team can come. We're going to do one more song at the end here. And if you'd like to respond in any way to him, these altars are open on anything that you might want to respond between you and God. There will be people eventually that can pray with you guys, but let me say a couple prayers here. This is a prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. God, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Not to be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want ideals to just stay ideals. We want them to come from our fingertips and we want to be the hands and feet of you. We thank you for your mercy, the depth that it goes. We can't even tell. And that's like an abyss we can't even see the bottom of. But you've wiped that slate clean for us, Lord. Give us the strength and the courage to go and do likewise this week. We want to be blessed by you. We want to show your mercy. We want to wear it. Go with us. Which more that shows.
them by their love. Be with us this week. It's in your name we pray.
dismissed. Go in his mercy.